0: to join at oldmarketingschool.com learn go to oldmarketingschool.com learn to apply for the next cohort of Old marketing school certification hey legendary human yes i'm talking to you love the show why not joining hundreds of creatives already part of our collective for monthly masterminds challenges masterclasses and so much more we help creatives make a positive impact in the world with their message and their content so give your creative work the visibility that it deserves. Find out more about how to get involved in the show notes of this episode.
1: It's not necessarily a classroom question, but my favorite question to people is, tell me about your best friend. Hello. Hello. Hi. I thought we were
0: going to do it all in different. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> next
2: time, next one, next one. <laughs> it's gonna be gorgeous. Are you excited to learn something new today? I'm very excited to learn something new. Same, I think, every day it's opportunity to Ten. learn all the time. Do you know I really fun facts or
0: not? I cannot do fun <laughs> facts.
2: No, oh, if I had a bit of prep, give me some, we'll give, share a fun fact at the end. Okay,
0: perfect. I'm just thinking about a fun fact. Uh, it's kind of funny because um, my boyfriend, hi. Uh, hi, if you're listening, baby. It is, uh, <laughs> it is the best at like, just sharing fun facts. He always knows weird and wonderful facts, whereas my memory is okay. like a goldfish memory. I tend to forget a lot of the... F- yeah. I know a fun, fun fact. Oh. oh, yes, I'll tell you at the end as well. And okay. then if you don't have one, I can... Yeah, try. I don't think I'm going to
2: have one. Uh, but
0: if you can you we'll think, think about something. Uh, Mine is about well slots. That's why I thought i will share it. I've got another one about... I've got one about slots too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's like, no. Uh, but it's one of the things... Google one. You can Google one as well if you want. <laughs> we're going to pretend that we're not looking at you like just Googling on your phone. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, fun facts are a really good party starters because you kind of like learn something you feel like a bit smarter about yourself. I find mm-hmm. that. That is true. But um, I like to learn from, again, actually, that's a very easy way to do it, from a podcast that is all about facts, which is uh, no such thing as a fish which is what I usually listen to, and Mike listens to. That's how he knows all these things. Oh, i have not
2: listened to
0: that one. He retains the information. I don't. Yeah,
2: I, that's my problem. I don't retain information very well.
0: Uh, but that one is um is one that is really cool because every single person there's one fact that so they're going to mm-hmm. share, Um like you know every week, so they talk about people that like you know create props for movies or they make sounds or they score. It's really funny and it's got so many different things and any any sort yeah. of um topic that you can think of. So I we'll say that's a really that could be a good way to learn, but as I say, I don't retain as much information when it comes to those. So my favorite way of learning is actually reading articles on Medium or reading books and then writing notes. Mm. Otherwise, it's literally my brain because it's so flooded with information, it would really struggle. So yeah. reading still is for me probably the best way to learn.
2: I would say something yeah very similar because I like especially reading about um, like historical or anything to do with the government things like that. I can't. I'm not very good at retaining that information. Mm. If I read that in a fictional story that's yeah. like set in a particular time or set within a particular kind of political scene or whatever, I can then pick it up a lot better. Yeah. So yeah, I agree, I, I read but it has to be it has to be a story so I can pick it up. But you can't just read. As well. yeah. yeah. I couldn't just read bullet points about something. I would need to read that in the story of somebody yeah. else and how they experienced mm-hmm. it or something like that.
0: You know what's funny though is actually um stories are well I learned from my first book when I wrote the book I, lo- I learned a lot about storytelling and that's the reason why we retain 50% more information if they're linked to a story oh, so it's not just like okay. yeah.
2: it's like semantics and yeah. putting on like an emotional kind of emotional attachment to the fact yeah. rather than just words
0: yeah. exactly well what's your favorite way to learn
2: yeah. Um, so when I was like revising for exams, for example, I would create big, big mind maps, all colour coders. Yes! Um, yes, queen! Literally like, you know, like the big A three pages. Yeah. Um so that's probably my favourite way to learn. It's like again, it's the writing it down, it's the repetition, and mm. then speak it out loud, I'd get my mum to test me. So kind of using all your kind of senses to really get the information in. Oh, God, and colour coded. So colour coded oh.
0: for sure. <laughs> I used to have different uh, pens and then uh, different yeah. highlighters oh, yeah. and then uh, different mind maps for like yeah. different colours. Yes. I was so anal about it. Yeah. It was so bad.
2: See I I do that. I did that as growing up and learning but I don't know if it actually I think I just enjoy it. I don't think it actually helps me particularly yeah <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think you it just strokes like, so it. Yeah. Works. yeah.
0: And that is very true actually.
2: Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm a I'm a reader. Let's yeah, Stories, definitely,
0: I think, like podcasts can have takeaways and it can have is a similar thing, yeah. but because it's still like a way for us to get also, there's an element I think of learning, an element of distraction in a way, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you get the information, you love it, it's hard to lock it in. And again, studies and, and research and stuff, just literally, once you write it down in one way, shape, or form,
2: yeah,
0: at least it gets in there and you're more likely to get into the, the lens of your brain. Yeah. So, I think we're getting showered with information is.
2: Mm. AOL, man. Mm, you know, it goes as, as
0: far. You kind of have yeah. to take that an extra element to lock it in. Yeah.
2: And teaching other people, I will but, guarantee I, Yeah. By doing, really understand something more okay. if I can tell somebody else how yes. it works. And that's always what I used to do with my parents when I was Safe. advising and stuff. Mm. Is just yeah. tell them what I know about yeah. a certain topic. think your parents eat... were so invested. Yeah. yeah my mum was just like, "Got eh, time?" We used to have um, a times table CD at breakfast. It was horrendous. Ooh. Oh wow. And it was awful. It was like a really happy group of people singing like one times one two. Obviously, that was like beginner level. <laughs> <laughs> you got <progressed>. like sixteen. <laughs> you progressed to like your 11th. yeah, little yeah. So they were very invested. Yeah, the, the, the times yeah. the CD was a bad.
0: So actually today we're going to talk about learning in all different ways with mm-hmm. a tal from Jolt who I've known actually because he asked me to come on Jolter, So we'll talk a bit about. How, you know, learning has changed, how you can learn, how people can share their learnings through speaking and through uh, sharing information. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a really, a really juicy mm-hmm. one for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, see like how you can actually resonate with the different ways that you can learn and how you want to apply that to your life. Because I think the more action steps you can get, uh, kind of progressive learning is a very important thing if you want to refine and define your expertise. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, at some point... Like everything, it becomes outdated, so it's your responsibility to keep on um, and keep learning what you want to learn. Um, With that in mind, my fact about slots is that slots, uh, so, one way that avocados have been uh, growing and actually exporting in some areas of the world, like so many avocados plantations, is thanks to slots. Because slots eat the avocados, they apparently can poop the whole (laughs) avocado (laughs) seed, the massive pit. No, they poop the pit. And that's how the wool like, um, avocado plantations will move
2: across, you so know, the canaries. We have sloths to cooking. thank for avocado toast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for their poo. Sloth poo. <laughs> that's funny, because my fact is also about sloth poo. Yes! Oh <laughs> and it's that a sloth loses a third of its body weight in its poo. Every day? Imagine being a three-stone sloth, and then... Being a two well. stone sloth after popping to the toilet,
0: and I remember that I heard this in not thing, and they were thinking about how
2: heavy you must feel. But they must yeah. go very infrequently. That must be the reason because they're very lazy, aren't I they? I think that's why they made so many because exactly. they've got so much <laughs> extra weight. It's, <laughs> it's like getting really <laughs> disgusting. We
0: should <laughs> oh. <and> move on. <laughs> and then they start running after the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next time you're eating an avocado toast, you can thank the sloths. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and with this, we actually want to close and go straight into the interview. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, let us know how you love to learn. Just um, mention, like, tag us at hbloggers.com and let us know your favorite ways to learn and any fun facts that you know, share it with us, <laughs> especially if they include slots. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye. I can hear what somebody, it's, it's kind of like, it's a bit on edge. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can hear as much. I maybe mean, maybe people can. They can hear me swooshing in my hands.
1: Yeah, and you can hear when someone is smiling, right?
0: That's true. So. That's true. I think it, it, the worst is when you can hear, like, the the silence. You know, that kind of, like, that break that is not meant to be there. I don't know if you ever had that. Which is kind of, like, the uncomfortable, like...
1: <laughs> not like that. I would say that silence is amazing with radio. It's tricky because what happened? What happened? But it's powerful like if you can be if you're able to keep suspense and shut your mouth for five minutes like I never do <laughs> it's a powerful tool to have in your arsenal
0: how do you think that works when it comes to you know people actually trying to deliver something when it comes to information knowledge you know talking about actually the way you come across and the way you talk mm-hmm. you know even, even silence not necessarily but you know what how does that affect actually the way that people learn? Because I know you guys are all about learning and also mm-hmm. education, but I'm, I'm always fascinated by the way that people receive the information just by the way you talk to them. I don't know if you've done any studies or kind of like when you help the job, there's also coming on board, how important that actually is.
1: So the, the don'ts of speaking are very clear, but there are so many outliers. A, that do it differently but well there's a professor Scott Galloway he's a marketing professor and he speaks very fast he can start a presentation saying I've got 20 minutes and 67 slides so here we go and he will just quick fire everything and it keeps people chasing him the entire conversation and it is super engaging or on the other hand you'd have people who are like storytellers a lot of silences they, the words seems to last forever and it's also super engaging so you know short sentences or as short as possible change your tone pause every now and again like the basics are uh, are pretty easy to get done memorable delivery is hard okay like okay. finding a finding a voice finding a a, a delivery method is uh, is hard did you
0: have you looked into when it came to like Jolt's actually probably what I want to ask you when it comes to Jolt is can you remind me when you got in you know with a company like which stage and how did you help them take in that next step because I know that you came from the background with LinkedIn and everything else and then yeah. a lot more so it's kind of interesting to see where you came in with that.
1: Are we, did we just slide into the podcast? Yes we're okay. literally recording we, we, we're right we're now. We're okay. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, 100%. <laughs> So Maybe before I say a word about JOLT, we're an alternative school. We're a business school for the self-made, pushing back against higher education, the outrageous fees, the outdated knowledge, um, the learning experience, which is stale and haven't changed since ancient Greek. Um, So um, we're trying to do something against that. So super innovative learning experience, bite-size, membership-based, pay-as-you-go type model, and our program is called Not an MBA. What allows us to do that is that our speakers, our jolters, are connecting remotely. So they connect through a screen. So a jolter in Shoreditch can be communicating with a group of students in Tel Aviv. A jolter from Tel Aviv, which was kind of what I was, could be jolting with someone in San Francisco. So that's that's the business model. And I've joined in May of last year after about six or seven months of being a jolter myself.
0: Yeah.
1: At that time I was working for LinkedIn from the Dublin HQ. I was was working for the marketing solutions team as a salesperson and I was teaching personal branding on Jolt. It's before we launched the not an MBA program. So our contact was less structured and uh, a lot more uh, fluid. I fell in love with the company and the team and I wanted to take part, it really resonated with me as someone who didn't graduate high school and didn't go to university, I wanted to kind of uh, to take a nab at the higher education in a more uh, more structured way and Jolt provided. So I joined the company to uh, help lead the Jolters function which basically meant um, the job description was essentially Get paid to have coffee with super interesting people, get them to fall in love with us, and and uh, and make them teachers. Uh, but it's a startup, and nothing as as it seems in the first uh, in the first few weeks. So it changed dramatically. We had to build a team, we had to shape the program, we had to start building our own content, a whole bunch of stuff. And in February this year, I've taken, I've taken on the role of the regional director in the UK. To lead the efforts here. Awesome. Mm
0: -hmm. How have you found the UK? um, Yeah, how do you find the the UK environment? How has it been welcomed in the UK when it comes to what you're bringing with Jolt?
1: The Jolt concept resonates. People open up to us uh, like you did, like you find it interesting, uh, even though it's not right up your alley in terms of the type of people you'd usually interview. So the mission resonates with people. A lot of people, education, people are passionate about it. People drive their, uh, people draw a lot of their identity through their education and uh, it's one of the avenues we use to monetize ourselves. So it really ties to our sense of self-worth. So people open up, people really open up. It's not the easiest because it's a very personal experience. So 14 students in a classroom, they have to pull them, pull themselves out of very demanding jobs. Yeah. yeah, we have a campus in Soho that we launched last week, and a campus in Liverpool Street. So all the people who live in proximity to these campuses are working super demanding jobs. They're very ambitious, and telling them that they have to stop doing what they're doing to come into class at six pm is uh, is not easy. So our biggest competition is people's time and attention.
0: How do you think uh, you can get people's attention, what are some of the tips that you can give somebody if you really wanted to grab people's attention, because I find that that's always the first thing that slips. If you get them to sit down, which is mm-hmm. great, yay, step one. Yeah. But now you have to get their attention. And it can be an hour, it can be 90 yeah. minutes, which is still the jolt, 90 yeah. minutes, yeah. So it's, the jolt is 90 minutes, it can be an hour um, speaking gig, but it can also be literally a 20-minute workshop.
1: It's such a, such a good question because... If you're coming into the Jolt Room, and the Jolt Room is a high-tech classroom, you've been to one, it's yep. spectacular. It's like everything looks amazing, and um, there's the whole light show and the screens. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a fun thing to experience. But even as you're coming into the classroom, physically opening the door, you're still on your phone, answering an email, on a WhatsApp, on a Slack thread. And how do we get people to disconnect for 90 minutes and, and become receptive So it starts way outside the classroom. It's about making sure that we're targeting or answering the right type of pain. Yeah. So that's not easy. And I think with the program called Not an MBA, it works because people who are considering an MBA, they want to accelerate their career, but they don't understand how taking on debt, quitting their jobs, and learning from an outdated institution will help them get ready for the future. Yeah. They know there's there's money to be made if you have this logo on your CV, but it doesn't necessarily make practical sense. So we want to make sure that we answer the right pain, yeah. And then we want to make sure that once they, that we that we're talking to the right people. So if you uh, in your uh, in your if you're a manager for the last four or five years you're in you know, or around 40 and you're coming into the job too, you won't yeah. necessarily get what you what you'd expect. Uh, maybe our knowledge won't be the one that's relevant for you. Uh, five years of experience as managers, uh, you know, it won't necessarily solve your problem per se. So it's also making sure that we have the right layer of professionals, highly ambitious, 22 to 28, maybe a little over, uh, people who work in tech or with tech. So that's that. That's the technicalities. How do we get people into a, a receptive mode in the classroom? So there's a concept we call time to value, and that's how quickly does the jolter start delivering value? If you do an intro session for the 14 students in the classroom, it can easily take 20 minutes out of a 90-minute session. Take another 10 minutes for the summary, and you're left with 60 minutes, which is not a whole lot of time. And we're all time-pressed individuals, so time to value value. Even the introduction session needs to include some sort of a value. It needs to tie into the session. It needs to promote the, the, the learning. So if, uh, if, you'd be a, a, if you'd be teaching about uh, marketing, a good intro session would be, hi guys, please say your name and if you were a brand, what brand were you and why? Mm-hmm. It gets people thinking, you're merely putting your marketing hat on, and you're like, I'd be diesel jeans, uh, fearless and made to last, and looks great uh, even with greasy. What? <laughs> so it's, it's funny, it's music, but it gets people thinking. So time to value. Even an introduction session can have value. The other part is that the whole uh, um, launch sequence of a jolt is a different experience. It's closer to a cinema than it is to a classroom. So you sign in to the session through an app. You choose your seat. You get into the campus. You sit next to the person you chose to sit next to, so you're chair number 12, and you know that Jenny sits to your left, and that, uh, and that Priyank sits to your right, and, and amazing, because you wanted to speak with them anyway, and now you're sitting with them. So already you're engaged. Then um, the next thing that happens, the jolt starts. You have this uh, transition screen with epic music, and the countdown, and then there's narration that's going on. The narration explains who the jolt is. Our next jolter is uh, Bill Carmodi. Bill Carmody teaches marketing. This is the things that he's done in his past. He won this award and that award. He worked with this company or that company. So you're kind of like hyping up the jolter and making sure that everyone knows what's going on. And in parallel, the screen also tells you who else is in the room. So I'd see Fab is there, this is her 10th jolt. Uh, I'll, see that, uh, I'll see that Brian is there and this is his first jolt. So all of that, mm-hmm. so you immediately know, you're well-oriented. Who's the person? What are we going to talk about? What are the people around me? And then time to value. And every jolt has a at least one discussion point, something mm-hmm. that gets you thinking. You have to participate and like get your mind in gear. And at least one exercise, something that you have to do with your hands, that's highly practical, that you can use tomorrow outside of the jolt room. So between these elements, we create a pretty immersive uh, learning uh, experience that ends... After 90 minutes, it feels much quicker.
0: Oh, yeah, I do agree. I've been on the other side and yeah. it definitely doesn't feel like it. You feel like you're pretty much beginning and you have yeah. to end.
1: Yeah. How hard is it to keep that energy, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. and How, how, how hard is it to like keep it all packed up yeah. so you get to the end and you say everything you want to say? Yeah. I think it's one of those things as well. And I know that the people that are listening for sure are somebody that's interested in understanding, learning more, but also being able to be better at delivering their knowledge. It really depends, obviously, like all of you peeps listening. Um, and I think in both levels, there, there are issues there Are there issues as a learner, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure you've done more research than me on this, but because we our attention span is bad and sometimes we don't even, re- we need to be able to understand for ourselves that we need to, again, whether it's restrain yourself from your phone or just, so there's that level. And then on the other side, there are the difficulties of being somebody who wants to deliver a message and you are struggling to get people engaged. So I find that there are these two areas and these are big pain problems when it comes to pain points, sorry, Um, when it comes to wanting to learn more, Mm -hmm. wanting to educate people more because a lot of the time um, either we forgot how we were in the classroom or maybe when we were in the classroom we were not... Focus after all. I used to draw a lot in, in classroom when I was at uni. I did beautiful drawings. We listened to half of what they were saying, but beautiful drawings. Because I would just get the information, and then what I didn't care about, I'll just read through afterwards. Yeah. So for me, being very, very switched on and focused is really hard if I don't have any sort of interaction. It's just the way I am. So I just think yeah. it's kind of like getting back to that learning experience. And as you say, um, some people haven't been learning maybe in the last 10 years properly, properly in a classroom environment. And it can feel a bit like a shock when you get back in there. You're like, oh. And then you fidget. And then you fidget. You're like, oh, I need to do something with my hands. All of a sudden, you go
1: back to being, I don't know, 16-year-old you or 21-year-old you. And it's not necessarily versions of yourself that you'd like to remember. Yeah. And you're with new people. And there's a teacher. And it looks all too familiar. And you're like, yeah, there's a reason I I, I didn't like school. Right? (laughs) So you have to override that, that memory in a way. And that's kind of what we're doing with the immersive experience and intentional learning and it's topic that people are excited about and it's very experiential. But I do want to argue against the attention span. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, the attention span, I feel what you're talking, I know how hard it is for me to read a book at the end of the day.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you are used to screening and uh, to screens and to move from different tabs and you have a phone and a watch and da, da. da. And then a book, well, it's like so analog. The, the, the sentences out moving. There's no <laughs> pictures. I can't pinch it. I can't. It's a book. You know, it, it hurts if it falls on your forehead <laughs> uh, when you fall asleep. But I think the attention thing is, is just like any other muscle. You need to uh, constantly exercise it towards the, the right direction. I think we've became really good at assessing, uh, uh, is this providing value to me or not? If you and I want good in the last five minutes of this call, there's a, of this podcast, there's a, there's a, a thousand other content providers that, uh, that are as easily accessible and maybe do a better job. So, as as people who are facilitators, we have much higher responsibility uh, to be good and to perform. But attention, I think it's a, it's it's more of a challenge for the facilitator than it is for the for the person in the seat. It's our job to get them interested and engaged and beat the competition. The competition could be Tinder, emails, anxiety, TV, whatever it is. So I, I don't buy into the attention uh, situation.
0: How, how would you say that then the facilitator can find that confidence uh, within themselves? Because I think it comes down also, also, not only, but also to confidence. In order to be able to deliver, of course, you have to provide value, but the more confident you are in it, the more you can feel that you can actually be part of the room. Because I would like to add that, in this case, obviously, we're talking about Jules because I've, I've been leading one, so I know what it feels like. You are not with the people. Yeah. And, and you said it to me actually once, we were talking before, that adds an extra layer of struggle. And it's true yeah. because I'm a very, I'm a people person, so being with people. I can draw into the energy and also I'm able to understand when, you know, to come and say to somebody, okay. Yeah, to yeah. read the room. Exactly. But without the room, without being in the room, how can you be in the room? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. It does make sense. Um, it's like, do it, you know how these puppets? Yeah. Um, marionettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. imagine you're operating a marionette that's operating a marionette. Okay. This is sometimes <laughs> how it feels because you don't have, you can't read the emotion in the room. Um there's a it's it's very very different so how do you keep people on the edge of their of their seat speak about things that they genuinely care about make it real like share day-to-day experiences bring them into your world we have a jolter who got a package in the middle of the jolt like geez guys so unprofessional of me but but i I have to get the door it's the fedex guy apologies and he went and he got the door and he came back and it was three books that, uh, that he ordered from Amazon. He's like, oh, Jesus, I was waiting for these books for so long. And they got into a conversation about these books. So something that's completely outside the scope of the session, but it's real. And if you're a talented facilitator, you'll, you'll find a way to bring it back into the conversation. So being real, using real-life examples, sharing both successes and failures. And mostly, and that's uh, that's, the, that's the hardest part because you want to give as a teacher. Yeah, yeah, It's make it about them. So yeah. constantly like, what can I do to add value to these people's lives? Ask them the right type of questions, give them the time to answer them and, and make sure that you have the flexibility to move from what you wanted to speak about to what they want to leave the classroom with. Yes. Um, so these are, this is what worked for me as a jolter. But there are, no, there are no two jolts alike. So you're into a classroom, different classroom, different time, different audience. It could be in Tel Aviv or in London. Uh, it's very exciting this is what keeps me as a speaker engaged I never know what class I'm going to get
0: I wanted to go back to one point that I really like which is asking questions as well Um, and I am for myself one that knows the importance of asking questions to myself and to people Um, also when I think when you're stuck a lot of the times asking a question can help you get unstuck because it just kind of like helps you reframing things instead of trying to find a solution as well um, so what I wanted to ask was when it comes to questions and asking questions is there a particular question that you like to ask whether in your jolts or just with somebody um, and I'm thinking about some of those questions that can be really powerful when people f- again maybe when people feel stuck or they're confused or to make people feel at ease I'll let you choose
1: <laughs> my favorite question it's not necessarily a classical question, but my favorite question to people is, tell me about your best friend.
0: Cute.
1: Tell me about your best friend. And if, if I ask you that, Fab, like, tell me about your best friend. Like, I don't know if you, immediately there's a silly smile on your face. Deep. Immediately. Because you know who that person is, all the quirks, all the reasons you love them, all the reasons you hate them, all the reasons that make them the unique and unbearable at the same time. And, and you learn something about the person. So tell me about your best friend.
0: Oh, that's a great question. I mean, Hannah is probably going to be listening by now and then as well. So hi, Han. Um, yeah, I was actually a um, guest on a podcast a couple of months ago. And um, yeah, she's, she, she's weird and quirky, as you say. She's a little bear. And um, she's always been there for me when I needed that. And that's what's most important. And it's kind of funny because we are... Probably the most inquisitive to each other's the most. That's kind of funny when we say about asking questions. Um, so yeah, she she's great. And again, I think her doing her podcast and her having me there and us doing so well together gave me the little confidence to just kick off and get my little dusty mic out and give it a go. Yeah. So that's that's me and Han. What about your best friend, Tom? Huh?
1: So my best friend, his name is uh, Yaski. He's a photographer. He photographs uh, food, fashion, and natural disasters. Oh, that's an um, interesting mix. Yeah, yeah, he's a <laughs> fascinating guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a cook. He's better than most chefs, but he doesn't cook in a restaurant. He cooks for friends and family. Peculiar guy. He has a lot of uh, very annoying behaviors, uh, but also very charming ones. Uh, every time he stays at my house, if I'm outside of the country, he'll fix something, even if it's not broken you know i'll come back oh, i fixed the gas pipe uh, oh, i fixed the shower draining oh, I've, I've, I've 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 i don't know disinfected the house from, from <laughs> bugs so there's always something um he always sends me to really unique spaces and places sometimes overly expensive um, he's a seeker of truth he sees right through the bullshit Yeah, Uh, zero bullshit tolerance. And I work in tech. I have a background in advertising and marketing, and as a salesperson, like I can I can I can thrive off bullshit. And he he keeps me in check. Like the bullshit detector is there. So um, so yeah, I love him. We even we even had to celebrate our fourth anniversary. Cute. Uh, Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. We brought our parents together for a dinner. (laughs) Okay, that that feels official. (laughs) Yeah, very, very weird, but a fun evening, so he cooked, and our parents got together, and you know how you know, our parents are a little odd, they, they don't meet as many new people, so you see them a little embarrassed, and they're shaking hands, and they're making small talk, uh, but fun evening, really, really fun evening.
0: Did you tell them where, who they were gonna meet? Or just like I'm gonna meet a friend. Yeah, yeah, they know him. They know ah. Yaski,
1: they know him well. He's been I've been to his house, he's been to mine.
0: So it was a proper like
1: Yeah, like a a bring together of the of the family. So uh yeah.
0: One of the good things I wanna ask about this kind of question as well, is that one of the things that these questions do is just put people at ease, don't they? Is that kind of that feel of like, Okay, I kinda of gotta be personal with you as well. Yeah. Which is kinda yeah.
1: It's, uh, so I had a I, I was interviewed in a podcast in Hebrew about uh two years ago before I joined Jolt and um I knew the guy pretty well. Uh, we're walking together now and uh, I've I've, uh, I've I've been to his podcast before and I felt varieties with him mm-hmm. to the point where where I felt like maybe I've said too much. You okay. know that's a that's a it's a weird sensation and I knew I knew that on one hand okay so I left the room knowing. This was an honest conversation, but also, thank God it's in Hebrew and not many people will hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right? So, uh, so uh, yeah, putting people at ease is, uh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be manipulated into it. But if you've seen Joe Rogan's interview with Elon Musk. I haven't
0: listened to that one.
1: Three hours, but at one point Elon Musk's on, 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 on a recorded and videotaped podcast, he lights a joint. Oh and that's Elon Musk, the guy is accountable to shareholders in the entire world, runs <laughs> multibillion dollar companies, and he was so at ease that he lead up a joint uh, like a huge podcasting moment and uh, and kudos for Joe Rogan for that special moment, and kudos for Elon for you know being there so uh, yeah that's the that's the gold standard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if I'm going to you to line up a joint, then we're not...
1: Yeah, I don't, smi- I don't smoke, I don't drink. Uh like, oh, If you'll get me to eat fried chicken, this would be probably the biggest sin I will commit on a podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not doing videos, so we'll have to pretend to crunch the chicken as well.
1: Oh, uh, McNuggets. <laughs> I don't know why there are other foods, you know. Close all the restaurants, only sell McNuggets.
0: <laughs> well, M- McDonald's probably chicken McNuggets. Oh. Mm. Oh.
1: <laughs> are they sponsoring the show they should
0: <laughs> i mean for a health blogger podcast i think it'll be a bit of a stretch
1: can we uh, uh, call it soul food like, <laughs> like it nourishes your soul it's, it's...
0: i mean if it does yeah, yeah. i mean like, i think I, mean, I think health like a lot of things is a very flexible idea we might push it a bit with mcdonald's chicken mcnuggets or like whatever the chicken actually is um, yeah, let's let,
1: let's not go there. <laughs> let's not ruin the
0: chicken McNuggets for <laughs> now Let's not do that. As well. I watched
1: a ten-minute video about about the different definitions of McNuggets. Uh, there's chicken strips, there's McNuggets, there's chicken nuggets. There's all sorts of subclassification. <laughs> it's a it's a fascinating topic. I highly recommend uh, the listeners <laughs> to, uh, dive into the, uh, world of, uh, <laughs> the world of nuggets.
0: The world of nuggets. I was thinking actually, one of the other things I wanted to ask is, um, do you watch, because you said that you listen to podcasts as well, I suppose, as well as Joe Rogan's, but TED Talks and like, oh, oh, mm. you cannot see the face, but you can hear the, hmm, <laughs> mm.
1: So what I love about TED Talks is that they brought some of the most uh, heartfelt moments into a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is that it's not learning, it's not actionable, uh, it's a part of commoditizing inspiration, okay. which is, a, which is a, a tough trend. People need inspiration to get shit done, where well, my inspiration is usually just to be able to pay rent. So I'm like, there's a, there's a trend in it that I'm not, not a huge fan of. There's also a formula for TED Talks, like the TED Talk speech and the tone of voice and the delivery, which I'm not a fan of because it's kind of repetitive, but after having done a TED Talk and as a speaker, it was a magnificent, I wouldn't say life-changing, but definitely a huge milestone uh, for myself. And after coming up with my own thing on mm-hmm. how to do it and realizing that my own ideas were ineffective, yeah. so I had a speaking coach that tell me, goes, listen, there's a reason people do it this way. It's because it's, it works. Okay. So do it this way. And, and I did it the way he told me to do it. And he took my personal story about how I kind of like relaunched my life using my friends and family. I don't know if we ever talked about it. But he took that and he, he used the TED framework to present it in a way that, that make other people care about it. Um, I was telling a story and he was teaching a lesson. So, so there's something in that format that is that is effective. Maybe it's a little saturated. I think we yeah. can go like a Ted Lassic, <laughs> and then come back to it.
0: It's kind of interesting because um, that's what I was thinking as well. That's the reason why I asked you. obviously is not the same. But um, I find it that he has objectively a format right now because that's what people do with it. And it's when I talk to people, again, coming where I'm coming from, most of the people that want to do it in my, my line of work are the influencers, the health wellness professionals, the bloggers. That's one of their big goals. And um, and what I remember, I think I actually read one of the books, maybe Talk Like Ted, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just fascinated to read it, as you say, and it talks about, I didn't go, from, I mean, it's been eight years now, but I was interested in why they work. And as you say, I realized there's something... Behind it, they actually make some of the talks really, really um, powerful. But as you said as well, one of the things that I saw that was lacking was some of the actionable steps. It was really cool knowledge a lot of the time, but again, I'm a doer, maybe yeah. too much sometimes. Yeah. So I always like to end up with an action step for people. Yeah. It's like if you can only learn one thing, if you can only remember and do one thing yeah. today after this is this, because that's kind of where I find my value because yeah. I. Realistically speaking, and it's something that you say also when it came to the jolt You're not gonna even if you listen to 90 minutes Probably what you're gonna action or pick up are a couple of things that really speak to you and the more you can get that value into something that people can Action the more they feel they got that value if that makes sense.
1: Yeah uh, You know what? There's maybe something to be said about inspiration being like a drug, right? Okay, if you need if you need inspiration to go and do stuff then, then, I don't know, maybe it's like, you know, I need a drink to, uh, to fall asleep at night. I need a joint to uh, have a heart-to-heart with my girlfriend. Uh, so I, I don't like that part about it. But when I was on stage in in TED, and before I went up, there was someone who prints 3D body organs or skin. Okay. Another lady who creates um, synthetic limbs, which you can move with your mind, and they worked. And after me, there was a, a friend who invented a language. Like, mm-hmm. like geez, this is serious stuff. Like, uh, the world needs to know. Like, the world really needs to know. Um, but, but then the element of like not applicable, not actionable. Like, so you need to know what why are you consuming it right like yeah. nuggets i'll go i'll eat McNuggets <laughs> if i'm uh, if i'm feeling uh, if i'm feeling uh, a bit sorry for myself or if i want to indulge or if i'm in an airport <laughs> right but if i if i just had a workout i won't go oh my god i lifted so much i have to have mcnuggets like, like, yeah, 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 yeah 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 the mcnuggets analogy love that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: is that gonna 100. be your next tech talk
1: the the power of the nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm uh, gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna try and stay away from stages for the next uh, few months. How
0: how so?
1: Building up to a talk is uh, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of attention. And I can I can tell the same story. I can tell the story I told TED, and I can tell the story I told about Joel, but as long as you keep uh, um, bringing that story to life you're not creating a new one
0: I see
1: so if I keep extracting value and validation from, from these old stories who are now I don't know, a year old or 18 year old like what's the next story? and I don't have one now I've just got this gig with Jolt. I'm running the UK operation it's difficult and complicated because launching an education startup in a new country is, is all of these things so the story is writing itself now yeah. And I don't really, I don't listen to, to TED Talks to come to work energized and perform for my company and for my team. I just go in and you deal with what you have to do and, and see if there's a story there. Yeah. So that's why I'll I'll stay away from stage for, for a while.
0: It's I think it's actually something very important that people need to remember sometimes. It's just, you know, how long can you Milk the cow is like the purple cow by, by Seth Gordon. He mentions that quite a lot. There's so much you can and I think we don't think about this as much when it comes to the storytelling. And I've seen a lot of speakers I've been at a lot of places and I've done a lot of talks myself and I always like to bring something new, mainly because I when I'm on stage I'm I'm an erratic squirrel, basically. <laughs> which is unsurprising, I know. Um so I like I like to be able to work with the room a lot as much as I can. Um but also because I find that I get, I write all the time, so I, I always pick up on the stories of things that happen to me, and as a writer I realise that there's so many different things that will teach you a different lesson, but as you say, it's, it's all about when is something so big, when is a story so big to tell, and it's, it's kind of like your, your piece de resistance, look at my French, Um you would want something else, I think, is that the next step. So I think it's an important thing to be said. And I think a lot of people can benefit from thinking about this, not just if they're doing a TED Talk, but in general, if you're going on stage, if you're doing the same thing, if you're talking about the same message. Um But I'm sure that definitely, like as you say, launching in a different country, launching an education startup, especially in London, is definitely going to get a lot of stories. It, it sure? better
1: be a good story. You know? it, <laughs> be, it better be a good story.
0: I'm sure it will be. Yeah,
1: yeah. well we'll see it's fun but uh, but uh, it's still missing a narrative
0: I th- I, it's that kind of thing where you're trying to uh, create something completely new and people like it's kind of funny you say that so we launched um, just to give you a, a small analogy the register of health and wellness influences which is an association like register for health and wellness influences in the world mm-hmm. what we're struggling with is not that people don't need this there's a need because nobody else is doing what we're doing just like you guys but it's people need to understand it's something new and people are still trying to figure out how it's going to work for them and how it's going to change things because it hasn't changed them yet. Yeah. Because it hasn't been that sort of like case study or that kind of like longer narrative that you say, okay, this is what happens at the end of the tunnel. And so we're having the same thing. We're like growing really slowly and we're just getting every single person as we can and we're trying to create that authority. Once you become an authority in what you do, even if it's something that is kind of on the sideline of the... Norm. That's when you can get that sort of, um, you know, interest, and you get that sort of like momentum. But sometimes we forget that because if yeah. it's completely new and nobody else has done it, it's true they didn't, didn't have that much competition. But probably there's a reason for it, yeah. and it's because it's something very complicated.
1: Yeah, and 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 people aren't walking around saying, "Oh my God, if someone would just invent the uh, <laughs> the health uh, blogger and influencers uh, uh, registry, geez, this would solve my life." Like. They go about their own lives and, and you need to make them care and you need to make them see the value and you need to reach out to them and you need to make changes to what you're offering in accordance with their expectations and uh, and needs. Yeah, it's, a, it's a world of pain. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonder that anyone gets anything done ever. Like It's complicated
0: it is rewarding, or at least I'm speaking for myself obviously, I know that you guys also achieved stuff but even for us, the small thing that we achieved and the small feedback that we get from the people that do do what we ask them to do, is massive because we make them feel heard and that's for us, again, we're on a, on a register side of things, so it's more about feedback, understanding and research and it really, I really see that people feel that and it's that kind of little thing that keeps me going, when I'm like, okay this is very, as you said, it is really stressful there's so much to do Um, but again it's only the beginning for both of us I sense sense, so only time will tell
1: only time will tell
0: now into a very important question Mm. one that is the only one that you might have to think about a bit more this is the last question so it's always of course the most important one so if you had to have brunch with anyone dead Mm. or alive who would it be?
1: brunch with anyone dead or alive um, Leonard Cohen Cool,
0: I like that one Leonard
1: Cohen um, You know, just be around him Maybe hear him say something <laughs> with his uh, voice <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe see that moment in his eyes When uh, when a new song is being written uh, Just uh, to say thank you for the music <laughs> um,
0: Yeah, Leonard Cohen Why would you go McDonald's? Oh, and we'll go on. it's
1: gonna be our drive-through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i drive <try it> through! <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: Leonard Cohen, McNuggets, a drive-thru. Yeah, I think this is the this is the date with, uh, with Leonard Cohen.
0: But, <laughs> I love yeah. it. Thank you so much for being here with me today and answering my questions. Thank you, Fab. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Make an Impact Show. For more info on the HBC, head to our socials at hbloggers.com or go to our website, healthbloggerscommunity.com. Now get out there and be awesome.